Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles real quick to First uh, John chapter five. I didn't know I was going to tell that story. First John chapter five. First John chapter five and verse fourteen. Let's go there, and um, we'll see where we go from here. First John chapter five, verse fourteen. Now we know this. The Bible does say this: that there is a fight to faith. That uh, Paul told Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. Somebody say this is a good fight. Well, it's a good fight because it's one that we win, right? I don't know if some of y'all look like you got a little hood in you from back in the day, so I know some of you got into a few fights here and there, you know, and if it was a good fight, it's one that you won, you know what I mean? But there is a fight to faith. I said there's a fight to faith. And um, uh, I had the great honor and privilege of traveling with Dad Hagen a few times um, while I worked at the ministry there at Rama. And, um, and I would hear him say this. He would say, if your thinking is wrong, your believing will be wrong. And if your believing is wrong, then your speaking will be wrong. And if your speaking is wrong, he didn't say it this way, but everything else will be all jacked up, right? So um, it tells us then that there's a lot that has to go into our thinking, into our mind. And, of course, the Bible talks about how important it is that we renew our minds with the word of God, right? And so I believe that. Of course, we know the word of God says that, that he'll keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on, on him, right? And so we need to get our attention on God, on his word. I believe that we should be living with such a God consciousness that we can live from a certain place. We can live from a certain plane. We can live. There, there are places in the spirit. There's a life that God has called us to live that would help us. So much, if we would just learn to yield, if we would just learn to just believe that it's possible, that this is not something for just Pastors Mark and Rhonda. This is not something for just Dr. Mary Francis Varello. This is not something for just, you know, all these different ones. But this is something for all of us as believers. That the Bible tells us to walk in the spirit. Right? Walk. The word there, the Greek word there is the Greek word peripateo. I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. But um, it means to habitually stroll. So in other words, you practice this. You live this way. I didn't even know I was going all here, but uh, we're, we're saying that we're hooked. Y'all believing with me still, right? So there's a practice. There's a living from this place, but it has a lot to do with our thinking. I don't know if you know this or not, but our faith life has a lot to do with our, it's, it's faith is of the spirit, but yet our soul must be involved with it. Are y'all with me? So now here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Now this is the confidence. Somebody say confidence. confidence. This is the confidence that we have where? In him. in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he what? He hears. he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have what? Asked of him. So, Again, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that his word is his will. So if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. Yes. Hears us. That was wrong. We know that he, yeah, that's right. I sound like I was, I gra- listen, I, was, I had honest English, graduated. <laughs> I just don't speak that well, okay? I grew up in the Caribbean, and I just, we talk how we want to. I'm speaking like this so you can understand what I'm saying. (laughs) 
So if we know that he hears us, if we know, if we're confident, if we are aware that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. So there's this issue of God consciousness that if we know, if we're, if we know, know means to be intimately acquainted. If we know that he hears us, we know that if we ask anything according to his will, he what? He hears us. But it's not enough to know that he hears us. But if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. Now, what has happened is that our soul has been so conditioned because of religion, because of the past, because of the things that comes into our ear gates and our eye gates. I mean, come on, we could just go back a few years. You know, I, I, I had to come strong in our church on some things, you know, and I'm an equal opportunity offender. So, I mean, you know, because we're just like this church. We're a multiracial, multicultural church. I got, I got Democrats, Republicans. Isn't that, isn't that amazing that we can all serve God? I knew I wasn't going to get as many amens. No, <laughs> them people of the devil. <laughs> but what Jesus said is, by this shall all know that you're my disciples. Not by how well you pray, not by your, well, I'm not going to go too far with with that. But anyways, there was a whole lot of things and the devil just tried to creep into the church and things were happening and the mindset. And I start to, I start to question how good of a pastor I was because I am like, I've been teaching the word and these people, (laughs) it's my first time here. So I'm being very, very careful. I'm like, Lord, your people that I've been feeding, they believe CNN more than... Oh, I like it here already. But I'm like, they... I mean, it was, it was just... I remember... and I, I, You remember when Jesus, he had this following? And, um, and then when he started talking about how you know, if you're going to be with me, you got to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And people are like, oh, hold up now. That's a little too far. And the Bible says that they were offended at his words. And they started to turn away. And he turned to his disciples and he said, he said, um, are you going to go as well? Right. And it's, it showed me then, and the Lord shared this with me. He said, it's possible to be a follower of Jesus and still be offended by his words. Because these were people that followed him, but just because it didn't quite, didn't quite fit in, because there was some thinking, there was some culture stuff, there was some, some wrong thinking, because if your thinking is wrong, your believing is going to be wrong. If your believing is wrong, your speaking is going to be wrong. If your speaking is wrong, everything is going to be all jacked up. And so the thing is, we have to realize that there's still some renewing of our mind that's so necessary. You remember this as well. We can go to Mark chapter 6. This is just all coming up in my spirit. Praise God. Mark chapter 6, Jesus and the disciples fed the 5,000, right? 5,000 plus. And, um, And so... They came and said to him, Lord, these people are about to pass out. They're hungry. You know, they're in Huntsville and, and, you know, all the restaurants are closed. You know, hey, you've been preaching a long time. Send them home. And he said, well, you give them something to eat. And they said, shall we go out and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? Thinking naturally. Yes. 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 
And Jesus was trying to demonstrate to them that, hey, let's do this supernaturally. And it's amazing how we, when, some, when a challenge shows up, how so easy it is to go to our natural. How, how easy it is for us to just go to, to what we've known before. And so Philip was like, I mean, okay, this is going to cost about 200 denarii worth of bread. And you want us to do that? And he said, well, what do you have? He said, you give them something to eat. And so they're, they're like, um, <laughs> all we got is five loaves of bread and two fish. He said, all right, I'm going to work with that. Right? And he told them to sit down and sit them down in groups of 50s and 100s. And, you know, there's organization here and all that. And, um, and he lifted it up to heaven, blessed it, broke it, gave it to the disciples. And they took part in this miracle. Are you all with me? They took part in this miracle. So some time goes on in Mark chapter 8. Uh, let's just turn there. Mark chapter 8. I believe it starts in verse 1. Now how come you didn't tell me you was going to go here earlier? Mark chapter 8. And um, verse 1, just so y'all can say, I've read the Bible. Okay. <laughs> Everybody got your Bibles out? It's on the screen if you don't. Mark chapter 8, verse 1, it says, In those days the multitude, being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion. How many glad that Jesus still has compassion? So compassionate. I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And then he says, And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on their way, for some of them have come from afar. Then his disciples answered him, how can one satisfy people with bread here in the wilderness? Um, and now Jesus shows them again what I would call this kingdom dominion mentality. And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? In other words, again, he's saying, take inventory of what you have. A lot of times we just feel like, well, I don't have enough. I just... I'm just, it's just little old me. It's just, I, don't, I don't have enough. I don't, I don't have enough. And he's like, I've equipped you with everything that you need. Amen. So he says, how many loaves do you have? And they said seven. Okay. And, um, and so same thing. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. Did the same thing. Gave thanks. Gave them to the disciples. Set them before them. And they, somebody say they. They set them before the multitude. So again, I know a lot of times we look at it like Jesus doing this miracle, but Jesus and the disciples are taking part in this miracle. Yeah. Right? So now, um, verse 8, they, were, they, they ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away, immediately got into the boat, and went uh, with his disciples and came to the region of Dalmanutha. Now, um, of course, the Pharisees seek a sign, and... Uh, Jesus is not too happy about this. And so in verse 13 it says, Now he left them and get into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Somebody say, oh, oh. So the disciples forgot to take bread. And they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. So I don't know whose bread this is. But somebody, I mean, I can just imagine them like, you forgot to bring the bread. I got my bread. I mean, I got enough for me and Jesus, you know. I don't know. Jesus, I don't know what all these other suckers doing, you know what I'm saying? But me and you, I got you. So they said we forgot to take, they forgot to bring bread. 
And um, then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, again, thinking naturally, saying, It is because we have no bread. Hmm. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason? Verse 17, because you have no bread. Look at this. He says, do you not yet perceive nor understand? Look at this. Is your heart still hardened? I wonder, makes me wonder, how often can we still have some hardened hearts in some areas? Because we just look at things naturally. Because we've encountered some disappointments before. Because Pookie and Ray Ray went through this. Billy Bob and Susie Q. I just got to catch everybody. You know, some of you are like, Pookie and Ray Ray. Who's, who's that? <laughs> but he's... Freak, I'm sorry. But... He said, being aware of it, he said, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand is your heart still hardened? And look at this. Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember, New King James, uh, uh, verse 19, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did what? Did you take up? And they said 12. Because I love it. I love how Jesus is demonstrating that I'm not just a God of enough. I'm a God of too much. I'm a God of more than enough. I can, I can take what you have and I can, everybody can be fed. Everybody can have, um, can be full, can be satisfied, and still you have extra. So they said, well, um, we took up 12. And then he goes on to say, when I broke the bread for the 4,000, how many leftover, or he said large leftover fragments, I think it is. How many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, Seven. And he said this. He said to them, how is it you do not understand? Y'all still here with me? I forgot to celebrate y'all for being here, even though they talked about some storm that was coming and school is closed tomorrow and virtual and all that. Must be nice. Must be nice. He said, how is it that you still... How is it that you're not getting this? You were, you were there with me. You, were, you took part in this. Not just, we didn't struggle to have this done, but, but, but we, I mean, we, like, we didn't have to dip into the budget. See, because when challenges arise, we, we can easily figure out, okay, well, I got this credit card. Um, uh, I can pull from here. I can pull from this. I can do this. I can do that. But really, this kingdom mentality, this, this kingdom dominion mentality, where uh, what we, we have access to all that heaven has, and we have authority here in the earth, but a lot of times our thinking, just because of, of, of how natural, because of the things that we allow to come into our eye gate and our ear gates, and, and again, this is what was happening a few years ago, was that, and I was talking with other pastors, I said, the thing is, I have my people's voice. For approximately 45 minutes a week. 
and they go back and they listen to CNN and Fox News and ABC News because all of them are bad. <laughs> Equal opportunity offender. <laughs> and, and so I'm giving them the word for 45 minutes a week, but how many hours of this mess are they hearing throughout the week? And we're not realizing that we're conditioning ourselves to think a certain way. And we end up losing this God consciousness. Y'all here with me? So he said, how is it that you don't understand? How, how is it? And I know a lot of times we can look at it and be like, them stupid disciples. For real. They were right there. But, man, when a child shows up, And you forgot you went through the same thing when you were in the fifth grade. And the Lord delivered you when you were in the fifth grade. But how easy it is for us to forget about his faithfulness and to and forget about, lose out on that God consciousness. I know, and I know sometimes you can, we can share things as ministers and it can trigger certain things and trigger certain thoughts and things that you've gone through. But I want you to know this, that there is such power in having confidence in the fact that God hears you when you pray, God hears you. God, God is on the inside. He's not God so far, but he, he lives right here on the inside. Come on, the greater one himself lives on the inside of you and I. This is the mystery of the church. Christ and his anointing, Christ and his glory living on the inside of us. But again, our, our mind, our thinking can sometimes be skewed. Uh, my wife won't mind me sharing this, but um, uh, 14 years ago, a little over 14 years ago, she was pregnant with our first child, and, um, and my wife has been super healthy. I call her a health Nazi. Um, super healthy all her life and, and all this stuff, and, and so um, she's hardcore. She leads worship at our church. She's a fireball. As y'all could probably see last night, I just let her talk and um, just jumped in here and there, you know, um, but uh, so hardcore that she led worship up until it's time to give birth, and what I mean by that is her water broke while doing worship, and I had no, I had no clue, I mean, because it was like a slow leak or what, I don't even know what it's called, slow, <laughs> slow bursting, <laughs> a, a bubble, bubble popped, <laughs> And so all I know is I'm, I'm up there and I'm, I'm preaching and I see them walking my wife out of the back of the church. And I'm like, what is happening? And a young lady is at the back. She's like, <laughs> I'm like, what's happening? And so finally somebody comes and tells me, uh, your wife water just broke. But she said, go ahead and preach and um, she'll meet you at home. I have no clue what I preached on that Sunday. It was so bad. So bad. I never did this before. I never did it ever um, since then. But I went to someone. It was their first time at church. And I was like, please come back. Because <laughs> I have no clue what I said. I couldn't concentrate. I said, I know it was bad. <laughs> please, please come back. My wife, her water broke. And, um, and she did give us another shot. <laughs> but, um, but anyways, so this happened on a Sunday. And our daughter, Kizia, decided not to come until Tuesday morning. Yeah, ooh. And uh, my wife, she's very strong. Lynette is, like, super, super strong. Um, she played basketball at Rama. Um, 
And uh, we were good friends for many years. Like I shared with you last night, I saw her through her many boyfriends. And, um, and you know, uh, she said, time to get the mic. You said you didn't want to. Uh, and, um, and I used to have to beat her off with a stick many times, you know. No, true story, we, we didn't have any attraction to each other. Like, we were just, we were close family friends. So it was even weird when we started dating. Um, really weird. Super weird. Um, but anyways, uh, so I'm only mentioning that because she used to punch me and stuff, and it was hard. She grew up with athletes in her family. They're all strong. And so, um, so... Remember, this started Sunday. We didn't go to the hospital until Sunday evening because she wasn't feeling any contractions or anything. We finally, I know, we finally Googled. And they're like, please get to the hospital. <laughs> and so we got there, and they hooked up all this stuff to her. And, and um, they were like, whoa, you don't feel that? And she's like, no, I don't feel a thing. And so they gave her some medicine, which my wife, she doesn't normally take medicine like that. And um, to me, it started to have an effect on our body negatively. Um, she started to feel the contractions that she wasn't feeling before. They were trying to speed up the process. And so um, by early Tuesday morning, um, the contractions are coming um, harder, stronger, and the epidural wore off. And, um, and so now she wants to hold my hand. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> and um, she is squeezing. I mean, I th- thank God we were in the hospital because I thought I would need some, forget her, because she wanted my hand, and, and I, I mean, and she's squeezing tight, and I'm just, she's screaming, and I'm screaming, and I tried to give her something hard, like, I, I think I brought a broomstick or something, she's like, no, give me your hand, I'm not even exaggerating, I'm not even exaggerating, I was like, devil, get out my wife, and so she's, She's squeezing real hard, and, and I think she started feeling so sorry for me that, um, that she, she can see that I didn't sleep. I mean, this is like from Sunday morning to like no sleep, and so she's like, honey, go lay down, and all I know is I go to lay down, and I was awakened by the Spirit because I just, I wasn't hearing anything. I woke up, and my wife is having a seizure in the bed, and she had never had this happen to her before, and... Um, and so I just happened to wake up, and I quickly said, you know, yelled out, somebody come help. But, of course, I'm, I know where to go. So I'm praying and all that. So that stops. By this time, they had already scheduled a C-section because so it just ended up being a good time. This happened about 4 o'clock in the morning or so. And, um, and so then on the operating table, she's talking to me, and she's like, honey, I can feel it coming on again. Right after they put something in her again, and there she is on the operating table uh, with another seizure. Now, again, this had never, this had never happened. I'm not saying this to scare anybody. Um, I'm sharing with you, with however much time I have left. Uh, again, there's a fight to faith. This might be one of those fat men in a barbed wire type of message—a point here, point there. But we'll we'll all come together and bring it back in. And um, and so that wasn't even the greatest fight. The fight that we had to fight was after the fact, because there was so much, there was such a flurry of thoughts that came to my wife. I mean, I I thought, honestly, the thoughts were coming to my mind. Oh, my gosh, what if my wife dies? I'm going to have to raise this girl by myself. 
Who am I going to marry? I mean, that, that fast. Like, you know, seriously, I, I, I can't take care of this girl. I'm a pastor. I can't be single like, like this, um, you know, with a girl. I mean, then how many women going to be? I mean, and then what do I decide? And, you know, that's, that's how fast the brain works. Right? Right now, there's all kinds of signals coming to your brain. Some signals are like, do I like this guy? No, I don't know. I, you know, maybe I do. I don't know. How tall is he? You know, and it just all kinds of thoughts are coming in. Right? And the brain moves just like that. Like in, in just like that, all those thoughts started coming. And, um, and so I had certain thoughts to deal with. But then afterwards, she had thoughts. She wasn't bonded with our daughter. And then not just that, but for, I would say for months, just about this demonic attack on her mind, like fear that tried to grip her, um, you know, I mean, constantly, you know, there was the amount of times we had to go to the emergency room when I knew that there was nothing wrong with her, but because she could feel something, because the mind tells you that something is wrong. And if we kept looking, something would eventually show up. And this is why 2 Corinthians chapter 10 talks about how we should capture Every thought. Every thought is important. Not one thought, not one idle. Jesus said, oh, how I, I mean, uh, Psalm says, oh, how I hate vain thoughts. Right? So every thought is important. And, and this is why Jesus was saying, wait, is, is your heart still hardened? How is it that you still don't understand? How, how is it? And, and here's what happens is that we do forget I think that's why it's so important to just remember, thou shalt not forget the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Beware, lest when you come into this land that, that, uh, you, know, that you didn't build and that's been filled with uh, furniture that you didn't put in there, that you start saying that I, by the power of my hand, that, that I did this, I. No, 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 it is your God that gave you the power, right? So there's a whole thing that we need to do to remember. This is why in the Old Testament, I'm not saying we gotta go back to the Old Testament, but this is why they would set up these altars, these monuments, so to speak. I know we have the names of God, but really, they were places yes. that they would set up, that they would erect. Can yes. I say that? Yes. That sounds like Pastor Hagen now. <laughs> um, but <laughs> they were the places that they would build up, so to speak. And I believe that every time they walked by, they would say, oh, that was, that was the time where Jehovah Jireh. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the time when the Lord provided, the yeah. Lord that sees and provides. That's the Lord... The Lord, my healer. That's the Lord, my banner. That's the Lord, right? And they remember. And a lot of times we just tend to forget. And so when we don't give attention, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. There's some attention because there's, there's some kind of outward force that is trying to get your attention. I hope I'm helping somebody. There's outside, there, there, there is an enemy that is constantly trying to get your attention. Girl, you know they don't like you at that church. And bringing all these thoughts. Because there's something that's trying to get your attention. That's trying to get you to incline your ear to their sayings. I don't know why I'm on this tonight, but 
I'm enjoying it. So going back to my wife, I mean, this, I mean, we went to the hospital, did all kinds of CAT scans and MRIs, all, all kinds of different stuff. And they were like, we can't find anything. And I knew that there was nothing wrong. There was a time where as a husband, when she would, I mean, she would wake up at night and, and I have to almost shake her like, honey, nothing is wrong with you. And we just spend some time rejoicing right there. You know, why are we doing it? Because we take our mind off of that thought and we get our mind on the truth. And so she had to, for herself, I mean, at one point she locked herself in the room and she just would spend time meditating on the word of God. And you would just hear her. Um, I remember somebody was by the house and they heard her saying, oh, and they're like concerned. I said, I said, she's all right. She's just, she's just rejoicing. She says, that's just, that's her revving up. Oh, glory to God. I said, she's good. She's good. And this was a battle. This was a fight. Um, maybe the reason why I'm on this is because I'm, I'm almost finished with this book that I'm working on. And this, it tells the story of it, but it also talks about how to deal with it. Because casting down imaginations. Yes. And every high thing that exalts itself. Yes. Imagination. So, so there's, there's different levels. There's thoughts, there's imaginations, and then there's strongholds. So thoughts, and strongholds can be good strongholds. So you can build safe strongholds, right? I know sometimes in church circles, once you have a stronghold, you're like, hmm, the devil put a stronghold on that person, my. But really, it's a stronghold. It was a military term. It was, it was something that was built to to help keep out certain things and and all that. And so you can actually build good and healthy and godly strongholds, and you build that through thoughts, thoughts that become imaginations. See, the car that you drove in or that you rode in today um, didn't all of a sudden appear. It began first with a thought, and then that thought was turned into an imagination. They pictured it. They painted it in their minds. And then they put it into a design and it became actualized. Are y'all with me? And so um, this was something that we, we had to deal with. And um, I mean, thank God she got the victory. But it, it was a battle. I mean, really, I really thought for, my, for some time, especially in the beginning, I was like, I thought, is she going to end up having to go into... The, um, what's the political term for it? Uh, I mean, uh, psych ward, yes. I don't know. Is that politically correct? I don't know. Y'all got to excuse me. If I, if I offend anybody, you know, um, just blame it on me being from the Caribbean, okay? <laughs> and, um, and so it's something for us to think about. Because your challenge may not be something that was like that. But what if yours is in the area of finances? What if yours is in the area of your love walk? What if yours is in the area of, of authority? Everything's all good. Oh, I love my pastors. Oh, they're prayer warriors and, and they know the Holy Ghost. And man, they love people until they got to correct you. Oh, here we go again. Because you got hurt somewhere else, 
and you felt safe, and then all of a sudden, you're reminded of something, you get a little triggered, like, oh, that's like the last church I was at. But of course, that doesn't happen here. I don't know if it does or not. I, I don't know. I didn't even open my notes, did I? Let's go to, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Y'all still doing all right? Matthew 6. Is there anything I'm forgetting, Lord? Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Matthew 6. Because um, people sometimes act like, well, I can't do anything about that. Well, you can. You, you make the choice. It's just that you have to retrain yourself to, again, capture every thought. Every thought that is not in obedience to the knowledge of Christ. Casting down imaginations. I look at it this way, swatting it down. Right? Um, one of my favorite things to do, my wife made me retire from basketball. Um, never played professionally. Wasn't good enough. I don't want my kids to know that. Um, but one of my favorite things to do was actually to swat, to block a shot. But to swat it down so hard that it would cause anybody that came that I was defending, that they would think twice before shooting. And, and so they would alter the shot. So my goal was anybody that I'm defending, I'm going to let them shoot, but I'm going to swat it down so hard that they'll think twice before doing it again. I believe that we can swat down thoughts so hard that the devil will think twice before like, oh, that thought didn't work on them. Because he ain't all that smart. Casting down imaginations and every high, anything that doesn't come to the obedience of Christ and his word, any thought, I'm going to swat it down because that doesn't fall in line with God's word. Y'all with me? Capturing every thought. So again, every thought is important. Every thought is important. Every thought is important. And so in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, it says, Therefore do not worry, saying. I think King James says, Therefore take no thought, saying. So we are the ones that Take thoughts. You can't stop thoughts from coming to you, but you can choose what you do with those thoughts. Take no thought. How do we take those thoughts? Saying. Well, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Take no thought. Saying. Well, what if they don't love you at that church? Well, what if this? What if that? Because the mind is absolutely powerful. I know we're spiritual peeing, but pe- peeing. <laughs> spiritual beings, <laughs> it's going to come out right. I know we're spiritual beings, but, but this is the threefold nature of man. We are spirit. We possess a soul. I know you guys are taught well here, and we live in this body. right? With our spirit, we contact the spirit realm. We contact God. With our soul, that's where our mind, our will, our emotions are. 
right? And our, our body, that's where we contact the physical realm and, you know, our taste, touch, sight, smell, hearing. Did I catch it all? Yeah. Whatever. Okay, good. Um, but really, there's a fight between, if I could say this way, between, this, between the flesh and the spirit as far as who controls the soul. Because whoever controls the soul controls your destiny. Right? And so this is why we have to give attention to the word of God, develop our spirits to be stronger than our flesh so that way we can control. Because, again, whoever controls your soul controls your destiny. Right? So every, in every situation, there's a choice. And it's just about which part is stronger. Which one, which one is more influential to you? And we do this every day. For instance, today, how many of you went to work today? Let me see. Show of hands. All right. Um, how many of you felt like going to work today? Show of hands. <laughs> Not as many. But isn't it amazing that though your flesh didn't feel like going, you made a what? Decision to go. You didn't feel like going, but you made a decision to go because you're like, well, if I don't go, uh, they might write me up, or I might be dot pay, or I might miss out on this, uh, this promotion, right? And we do this, every, same thing, you know, um, I know we all love each other here, but it's just like if somebody kind of gets on your nerves, I mean, you know, you, you have the thought, do I deck this person? Do I... <laughs> Do I, what's that, Lord? You said to slap him, Lord? Is that, is that you? Give me a better interpretation, right? You, you, you make the choice. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to give in to my flesh. My flesh is telling me, cuss him out. Well, I don't really know how to cuss him out. Well, I can learn real quick. Right? And you make the choice. Am I going to side in with my flesh or not I? Is my soul going to side in with my flesh or is the soul going to side in with my spirit? Does this make sense? And so we do this every day. And so Jesus said, take no thought saying. Take no thought saying. So again, if your thinking is wrong, your believing will be wrong. If your believing is wrong, your speaking will be wrong. If your speaking is wrong, everything is going to be all jacked up. But like Dad Hagen taught us, you can school yourself into faith. And so sometimes we share this and people think like, well, that just seems so far-fetched. That just seems so, so, so hard, so, um, so far away. And you don't know what I'm dealing with. You have no clue what I had to go through. You don't know what my background is and all that. Listen, there's still hope for you. It doesn't matter what your past is. The past is gone and should be forgotten. The good news is that if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything has become new. And you have the authority to take authority, take control of your soul. So Jesus said this. Let's, um, there was one time I was reading. Actually, I wasn't reading. We were at another church and. Uh, we were in the hotel, and we were just spending some time praying, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, just out of prayer, he said, son, I want you to go back and read Matthew 6. I said, Matthew 6? I know Matthew 6. So I went and read it. I read it fast. He said, now, read it again, but read it slower. And I read it slower, and 
He said, what do you think I was trying to get across to the disciples? And so as I started reading, I'm not going to take time with this, but what I started to realize was that he was working on their God consciousness. When he would say things like, um, when you pray, don't pray like the heathen do, right? Who think that they'll be heard for their much speaking, but your father, right? He just kept saying that, but your father. Don't do this. Like when you fast, everybody don't have to know that you're fasting. Smile, brush your teeth, you know, smell good. You know, because your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Your fa- and he's working on all of this. And then he goes on to say this. Um, uh, he says, don't live for yourselves treasures in heaven, verse 19. I mean, treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, nor uh, where thieves break and steal. But live for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where tre- thieves do not break and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Y'all, don't get quiet at me. I'm not about to talk about money, really. You know, I'm not taking up an offering. Relax. There your heart will be also. Right? Verse 24. I guess I'm going to talk about it a little bit since y'all acting like that. Verse 24, it says, I'm just kidding, of course. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. Right? It would be different if you said you can't serve God and the devil. Because we'd be like, oh, I don't want no devil. But there's not one of us saying, I don't want no money. Right? But Jesus was saying that there's a choice. You either serve God or serve money. And he goes on to say in verse 25, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And um, he says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet what? Somebody said, my heavenly father. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Then he says, um, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow's thrown into the oven, will he not, what? Somebody say much more. Much more, more clothe you, O you of little faith. Therefore do not worry, saying, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your, look at this again, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So what Jesus is saying, again, working under God consciousness, he said, listen, The Gentiles, those that are without God, they're constantly chasing after the stuff. They're in the rat race. They're they're constantly worrying about this and and, and they're chasing this stuff. But you, you set your mind on the kingdom. You seek first the kingdom and his righteousness or his way of doing things. And all these things will be added to you. But just don't take no thought saying. And also going back to verse um, 25 where it says, therefore I say to you, this is what the Lord said to me. 
Because he said, son, notice, therefore connects with what was there before. So this is what he said to me. He said, he said, anytime you start worrying about the stuff, the money, what you'll eat, what you'll wear, all this stuff, he said, you can be sure that money's trying to hold the place in your life that I'm supposed to hold. Because your attention has gotten off of him and onto the stuff. This is what happened with him and the disciples when he's like, y'all saying this because you forgot to bring bread? You really think this is about bread? I'm the bread of life. You're thinking when, when, you, when, when, when you took the loaves and the fish and fed the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you pick up? Well, 12. And then when we did it again for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of leftover fragments did you take up? Well, seven. He said, how is it that you still don't understand? Is your heart still hardened? And y'all, this happens to us too as ministers. I mean, I mean, I know we go from faith to faith and glory to glory, but it's amazing how easy it is sometimes for us to, because, you know, there are things that you, that you deal with now that you weren't able to handle 10 years ago, right? And we need to stop wanting what we don't want. Here's what I mean by that. A lot of times we just want easy, we want no challenges, but just from a business standpoint, your finances will equal the kind of problem you can solve. Right? No offense to anybody, but if the only problem that you can solve is, let me put all the cold stuff together in this bag, put all the dry stuff together in this bag, you know, talking about bagging at a grocery store, your finances will represent that. Whereas somebody that can solve greater problems, you know, will be hired. Like we said last night, we were created to solve problems. Right? So we need to stop backing down. We can't can I say sissy in church? Thank you. We can't be spiritual sissies. It's okay. Can I say it again? As I close. I feel at home. I'm sorry. Um, but we, we, this, this is not how God called us to be. The greater one himself lives on the inside of us. But what he's wanting us to do is to live with such a God consciousness and, and really get this down in our hearts. Because what you think on eventually gets into your spirit. Right? What you meditate on. Right? Even when Jesus said, um, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. One translation says, I know I'm going fast. One translation says, and shall not entertain any inner doubt. So it's not thoughts of doubt that come to you. Like that Hagen said, he said, um, he said, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from laying a nest in your ear. So you, you can't stop the thoughts from coming to you. But here's what you can do. You can cast those thoughts. You can replace those thoughts. Don't just ignore it. But you can replace those thoughts. And this is why we speak the word. This is why we get the word in our hearts and we, we allow what's been placed in our spirit to come up out of our spirit through our mouths and we change our thinking by the words that we say. Out loud, not just in your mind. 
So even if I was to do an exercise with you right now and I said, I want everybody to count from one to a hundred, right? I'm not going to do it, but I've done this before. And, and I have you do it. And then I say, now I want you to repeat after me. When I have you repeat after me, it cancels everybody's thoughts. They're no longer counting their mind because they had to think about what they said and it changed the thought that came to their mind. This is why speaking the word of God is so important. This is why speaking, uh, again, we believe and we speak. We have the same spirit of faith. We believe and we speak. So what do we believe? Again, you can school yourself into faith because if your thinking is wrong, your believing is going to be wrong. If your believing is wrong, your speaking will be wrong. But if your speaking is right, your believing will be right and your thinking will be right. Because you can school yourself into this place. And so whatever challenges that you're dealing with, whatever things show up, you just should be so built up. You you are taught such good word here. I mean, it, it would be a shame. It really is a shame if we don't do something with what we're taught. Some of you have been here for 30 plus years. How long? How many years? 30 years. How long have you been out of the A-frame church now? 10 years. And this is just the beginning. But you've been taught such great stuff over the years. Continue to be taught, to be instructed, to be challenged, to do this. And it would be a a shame if we don't do something with it. I'll leave you with this one story unless there's something else the Lord wants me to do. Um, so um, some years ago, <laughs> well, my daughter, the 14-year-old, she almost drowned twice and my wife came to me like it was my fault. She said, none of my children are going to die by drowning. You understand me? She said, you're going to put them in swim lessons. I was like, yes, ma'am. So we got her swim lessons, and we paid for it. And when I showed up, um, I found out that I was going to be the one teaching her. So I'm paying somebody to have me get in the water with my child because my wife decided she wasn't getting in. I was like, this was your idea. And anyways, so... Um, she said, my hair. Um, <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> All the joys. And, um, and I, I, I really hated that experience. I did. Because, again, my daughter was so strong, and she looked like I was doing something to her, you know. And um, they would do stupid stuff. I shouldn't say stupid stuff, but it was like, I'm paying money for them to say, point to the wall, Kizia. Where's the wall? Good point to the wall, Kizia. Right? So that's how we started off. I was like, that's it for the day? And I'm paying these hundreds of dollars. And, okay, now we're going to grab the wall, Kizia. Let's grab the wall. Good. Grab the wall, Kizia. One, two, three, four, five. And I'm, I am there looking at my wife like, this is so stupid. <laughs> I'm paying them money. They should be doing this, but I'm here doing this whole stupid stuff. So um, finally, after some years, 
of doing this about two years, she finally learns to swim. I knew that what it was was that, just fear, because she could swim. So now our boys are coming up, and, and Ethan, I think he was five at the time, may have been. Um, may have been five years old at the time. And uh, prior to this, she said the same thing. She said, now Ethan needs to go to swim class. I was like, babe, seriously? She was like, yep. And it was the same thing. And so we had to do, after that, I said, I'm not doing this again. Right? So, long story short, I know that he can swim, but fear. So we go to a friend of mine, um, a pastor friend of our uh, house we were ministering at, and they had a pool. And Ethan, he can swim, but, you know, he was swimming in the shallow end, you know, because a lot of people feel confident when in the shallow end. And so he's swimming in the shallow end, but all of a sudden, because of, like everybody else, was jumping in the deep end, all of a sudden, he gets real bold, and he starts jumping in the deep end, and he's swimming. And we're so proud. We're like, oh, my gosh, my boy can swim. Swimming in the deep end, I mean diving. Like, I didn't do that at that age. You know what I mean? So the next week, we're, at, we're in Louisiana, at, um, and actually, we got invited over to the Hankins house, Pastor Mark and Trina Hankins house. And, um, and so Lynette is telling Miss Trina, she said, Mom, she said, Ethan can swim. He is, he is doing so great. He can swim. He's swimming in the deep end and all that. And um, I think at, at our friend Roddy's house, it was, what, eight feet deep, I think it was? Eight feet deep. And, um, and yeah, he's swimming. And she was like, Ethan, I want to see you. Um, I want to see you swim. And he goes to the diving board, and he gets to the edge. And we're sitting there, and I'm like, my boy's about to make me proud. <laughs> and he gets to the edge, and he starts going like this, and I'm like, Ethan, what's wrong? I said, you can swim, boy, do it. He said, but it's 10 feet deep. <laughs> so that's what, it hits me. I'm like, oh, different group of people. All your little friends that can't swim, that was here at the house too, are saying, careful, it's 10 feet deep. I said, Ethan, last week you were swimming in eight feet deep. Could you touch the bottom? No. I said, what difference does it make then? He said, oh. And he jumped in and swam. And I thought to myself, that's just how a lot of believers are. Like, you got through one test before. You couldn't touch the bottom back then. But all of a sudden, because it's just a little bit more challenging, it's like, no, I can't, I can't do it. It's, just, it's 10 feet deep. And it's like you couldn't touch before. Why not just jump in and just... Go ahead and, and just enjoy this life of faith. Come on, because you've been built up. you got the Word of God on the inside of you. Come on, hands have been laid upon you. You've received impartations from being here at this church. Why not go ahead and jump on in? Stop. Stop backing down from challenges. Amen.